0: Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Joining us today, it's Paul Smith, chairman and owner of Sydney Kings, Flames, and TSE. Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, mate. It's good to be here. Good to be shooting the breeze on a day like today where it's not so breezy.
0: It is indeed. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about Paul Smith and TSE and what TSE do.
1: You know, from my perspective, you know where I am. I've spent my entire career in sport. Worked in sports business. um, Worked in sports administration in the 80s uh, in golf and then in 94 I started TSE and uh, that began a journey of business development and business growth that over a period of time took me from Australia to the United States and was lucky enough to lead up a business that grew into a significant global entity in the area of sports marketing research and uh, we arrived at a tipping point for the business and we decided that the opportunity to sell was right. So we transacted and sold the business to the Nielsen Company and then uh, I returned to Australia and returned to TSE and uh, we've been through a period of looking at the market and how we wanted to be present in the market in an innovative way and rights ownership became part of that equation and that saw us move into first 50% and 100% ownership of the Sydney Kings. Um, We've enjoyed that experience immensely. We've had a lot of learnings from it. The opportunity to be involved with the Sydney Flames and help lead that organisation in a way that supports Karen Dalton and the management of the organisation is really important to me because it allowed us to present a gender-balanced view of what the sport of basketball is in Sydney and in New
0: South Wales for that matter. You touched on you were involved in sports marketing. If, if I remember right, that was involved in evaluation of brands? That's right, yeah.
1: Well, the sports mar- TSE's always sort of founded in the area of sports marketing but not in a traditional sense of athlete management. It was more brand representation and activation. Interestingly, the area of evaluation and research grew out of a very significant global crisis in regards to the world we live in, and that was 9-11, which completely distorted the marketing landscape of the world, not the sports marketing landscape per se, but it impacted the, the sports marketing landscape. That was such a shock to the market that it created a lot of disruption, and therefore opportunities arose from that disruption. And that's when demand for information to better support the investment model of sport was really been cried out for uh, and that's when we founded a company called Repicom in 2004 and started that business so that grew out of TSC so Repicom was the company we basically evolved into the global standard in sports marketing research and I'm very proud of that it's a big statement to make and it didn't happen overnight it was a long journey and a lot of really, really talented people supported that you know we were in the right place at the right time because what followed on from 9-11 was the GFC in 2007 and that equally disrupted the Uh, the economies of the world. To some extent, the current situation we're in with this pandemic and COVID-19 is a very similar situation where things are going to change. But I do know there'll be change. And I'm not suggesting we're going to be raining in opportunities, but we're moving into a very, very disrupted period in sport in Australia and around the world. And so that means that we've got to be forward thinking. We've got to be considering where our Future lies, and our future isn't going to be defined by the next 12 months. The future of the Kings and the Flames and what we're doing in this sport in the city is going to be defined by the next five years, and part of that will be the 22 World Cup for women, which I describe openly as the
0: light on the hill for the sport of basketball in the city. Yeah, and, and we've got to work towards that. Okay. I agree with you about the changes that are going to be forced on sports, generally because of the pandemic. Mm. One of the things that's become really obvious is that the current financial modelling for sports across the board, really is not sustainable.
1: I would agree. And I think, look, we, you've got to sort of step back from basketball to an extent and yeah. and take a broader view. And clearly the primary revenue stream for sports is in, in a general sense the major sports is TV. Yes. And the TV model is challenged by subscription and by viewership and disruption and an erosion of the viewer base, which is across – all broadcast media that's Absolutely. affected. So that's a reality of it. The economic model for sport, it is challenge because of that primary issue around broadcast. But yes, we're going to be encountering difficulties to have situation where we're going to return to big houses of people. That's not going to be the case. I think that's going to take some time and you're going to buy a vaccine or some form or more comfort for fans. So we've got to adapt to that. The reality is that basketball, the WNBL, we don't have a advanced mature financial model in the sport we're still very much at the fundamental level so the net impact on the WNBL by COVID is probably more substantive at a fan engagement and proximity of the sport to the fans in this season that's coming up whatever that looks like yeah and therefore we lose our ticket sales we lose all the fundamental elements of revenues that would normally sit there but the reality is that can't do anything about it. We have to adapt. And I know that Basketball Australia is working very hard and leading process that's involving the clubs to consider where we go forward to. No one has a crystal ball. No one knows what that looks like right now. But the underlying commitment to play a season in a form is important and we're sticking to that.
0: I was interested to hear about the, the fan engagement particularly mm. because one of the things that I saw might have been in the Australian mm. or possibly the AFR was... There seems to be a disconnect between some sports in their actual player engagement as against converting that into viewership.
1: Right. You mean high participation, basic grassroots, but they don't watch TV at night. Correct. Yeah, they're,
0: <laughs> they're just not watching this. You mean soccer? Either. It's basically soccer. As well, we were talking about, they actually mentioned basketball and yeah. uh, netball as well. Yeah. In that in that bracket, what sort of steps do you think that, particularly the Flames and Sydney engagement, mm. can be done to try and turn that around a little bit?
1: Well, mate, I've got the magic eight ball. I'll shake it up (laughs) and see what what I come up with. If I knew that, I wouldn't be sitting here, mate. I'd be swimming in a guitar-shaped pool right now, trust me. (laughs) So I don't know the answer to that. But look, it's a combination of things, and there's no one specific solution, not one thing, but you're looking for this kind of like perfect storm of of occurrences. So, you know, I think there needs to be a rethink on what broadcast of basketball looks like. Does it have to be every game? showing on somewhere, it doesn't have to be this, it doesn't have to be that. I'm not saying it does or it doesn't. We've got to create heroes.
0: Definitely. You need
1: heroes. You know, I, I a sport like women's golf. It always seems to struggle unless it's got a hero. In Australia, we had Jan Stevenson. Yep. Beckett. Most listeners would never have heard of her. Then you move forward. But then Carrie Webb comes along yep. and the sport reinvigorates itself. So we need heroes and ideally you have heroes who play in Australia. But the nature of basketball is it's a global game. And the best players go to play in other places. It's true. We need these heroes. We need to develop these players in the Opals, and that's one of the great things about the WNBL and the the role of the the BA and the Opals is we're a super super competitive team in international basketball. A large proportion of the players potentially play in Australia. They definitely all grew up here and are all part of the system here, so they want to be Opals. So, so we've got that. We've got that foundation. How the teams market themselves, putting ourselves in better venues, and. You know that's not to suggest that we need to be playing in bigger venues, but and I'm we being the whole, all the league. Yeah. But you've sort of got to look at ways in which you can match up your marquee games. And speaking about the Sydney Kings and the Sydney Flames, we certainly wanted to have a selection of games where we would have double headers, and we would have the opportunity to drive better value for members of both the Flames and the Kings who enjoy both experiences together. But we also see a role for those teams to play a part. You know, ultimately, my dream, if there's such a thing, if you have one in sport, but my vision, the day that we can play a grand final match-up involving the Sydney Flames and an, another team and we play a standalone game in Kudos Bank Arena and we're able to bring that arena to life with 15, 16, dare I say it, a full house of people. That's what I want to see. But, you know, we also know that we've got to stay close to our roots and we've got to stay close to our fan base and Brydon's Arena at Sydney University is, in, you know, a beautiful, intimate a venue to play basketball in and its location is great the flames have got the best of both worlds we've yeah. got the best of everything in that regard certainly we're disrupted this year with the circumstances around covid that hasn't played out but i'll say this to those that are listening here that are interested in the flames and what we're trying to do you know we didn't come in to make wholesale changes in the first instance my approach is always when we're involved in these acquisitions and aggregations of organisations and businesses is that you know, I wanted to take a wait and see approach. We came into this, we had some ideas, we wanted to make sure that we gave ourselves a chance to look at things, understand things, understand the nature of the WNBL, understand the clubs and how they function and how we can be an effective part of that. Good news is we didn't overcook it. Where we've been challenged by COVID at this point in time has allowed us because we weren't overcooked, we haven't sort of disrupted a lot of things. We're still very steady stay as we go. We want the Flames and the Kings to be a place where people want to come and play. We want to be a place where people come to play to get better. There's one fundamental premise of what we want to achieve and what we do, and that is to be a respect, the most respected sporting club in Australia. We do that. We stand up for what we believe in. We care about our players. We care about our fans. And we've got to reconnect with our fans. And coming back where we started from... The most valuable commodity in sport going forward is going to be the fan. They're going to have so much power. They're going to go to games or they're not going to go to games if they're disrespected, if they're not treated right. We know that. And we've been active in that regard into the back half of last season with the Kings. We've been very proactive in providing better value to our fans and our members, and we're going to continue down that path. And so how do we get it all back? How do we make it connect? It's complex. We're going to do a few things right, let's do that, and then build upon that. But if we try to do everything in one go, something's going to break and we're going to disappoint someone and we don't want to do that. One last thing, winning helps okay. a lot.
0: Winning oh, definitely <laughs> helps. It definitely helps. This is Sydney. you got to win. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's that kind of a crowd. Just within basketball, that business focus, which I think is really critical to ensure that you've got a long-term plan and longevity for the team. I think that's what the sport needs at the moment. If you look back at the days of the, in the 90s when the Kings and the Flames were together, it was, it was a very stable business environment, which meant the players and the teams could prosper and could grow. Yep. And I think it's a really good approach for that future direction.
1: Yeah, I make no secret of it. We're running a business. If you're not passionate about it, then get out. Yeah, right? You've got to be passionate about it, but you can't be obstinate. Right? You can't be obstinate about it. We've got to be making business decisions that are sound business decisions, but they're not based on a 12-month turnaround or a season coming. They're based on what serves the longer good of what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not suggesting to you that you know we have a detailed five-year plan mapped out, but we certainly have a vision that we want to be better, we want to be bigger, we want to have more of this and, more, and less of that and what those pieces come together. And we'll refine that vision. And we want to make basketball relevant in Sydney at multiple levels, we want to make it relevant to girls and women. We want to make it relevant to boys and men. We want to make it relevant to families. We want to make it relevant to corporates. You know, that is about reaching into our community. That's about understanding how our community is. And, look, I've got a pretty good and an innate sense of what Sydney is about The people around me do as well. And it's a peculiar town. And, you know, it's not an easy walk to walk. But if you get it right, it can be very successful. We're not doing this to get rich, okay? This is not about getting rich. I'll say this here and I'll say it anywhere. If I can break even running the Sydney Kings and the Sydney Flames on an annual basis, I'll be the happiest person in Australia. We're not here to sort of mint money. It doesn't work like that. But the Kings and the Flames fit into the broader ecosystem of TSC, which is where we started. Yeah, It's part of an entire marketing ecosystem. And we start to sort of service and support the needs of each of the businesses. And we start to seek opportunities that come off the back of that. And you know, my view is that I've said this previously in other forums is that basketball to me is a very intriguing sport for a couple of reasons. Yes, it has a large participation base in this country, but again, as you referenced, they don't actually translate to viewership. Mm. Right now the mo- the best viewership I can get out of a basketball fan is when they come to our games. That's the best viewership Yeah, because that's the one I get paid for and we get paid for and we can do better with that. We see basketball as a lifestyle. We see it as much broader than just, a game, we see it's much more fitting into music, fashion, health, well-being, hanging with your friends, unstructured play, bouncing a basketball. I want to see where I go, I want to see kids bouncing a basketball down the street. I don't necessarily care if they're not in a Flames jersey or a Kings jersey. That doesn't surprise me because they've got bigger fashion goals yeah, yeah. and all that. But sure. they're bouncing a basketball, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I, I'm looking at that. I'm going, that's, that's really our litmus test. That's the canary in the coal mine for us. You drive past and you see more half courts getting built. You see a half courts that have got kids and adults on them, yep. not empty. That's the things we've got to see. That's, for mine, the visual health of basketball. We tap into that. If there's no underlying health in the sport, we can't tap into it. So we've got to tap into all those things that make people cluster around the, the game. They may not come to our games. They know who we are.
0: Yeah, and we've just sort of gone totally off. Oh, I love it. This is crazy, man. We were talking about- what happened to the questions you said? <laughs> we won't worry about those. And, and it's interesting because, like, something that happened to us this week, my youngest daughter was looking forward to restarting basketball skills training. Mm-hmm. And what they found is that none of the schools in the eastern suburbs are willing to open up their courts for the program to continue. So they've basically had to shut it down for term three mm-hmm. going into term four. Yes, there are extenuating circumstances, mm-hmm. but – it challenges me that they can have places available to play rugby, to play soccer, to play all these other sports, but the moment they, it comes to basketball skills training, they've just got no venues. Mm. And that really stunned me when I heard that. It's interesting that, that that's the vision because it's almost a social engineering exercise that's got to take place to get people to realise that basketball is as worthy a sport as rugby and league and soccer and mm. pick any other sport. There's a
1: lot of vested interest in there. There's a lot of those sports that don't want to see basketball succeed. Let's be frank about that. This, sure. is, this is a competitive market, and parents, players, youth, kids, boys, girls have only got so many hours in a day. How do you get part of it? And so I'm not suggesting we're, it's a, we're getting nobbled. I'm just simply saying that of it that everyone's out there competing for that moment that time and everyone's time poor now you know there's a bit of a thing goes around about the lack of facilities for basketball there's a lack of utilization of facilities in basketball
0: that's true
1: you know you can't hide a golf course right it's out there and you know why oh, Let's just turn that into sporting fields. There's not enough players out there, like they're talking over in Warringah or something. You know, <laughs> it's just it's like a freak. It's like a pinata. Help yourself, have a swing at it. But there's a lot of basketball courts that are hidden, that no one knows about. You know, we we've done some digging on this, and there's a lot of facilities. But I accept. They're private or they're in a secure environment. How do you it's not like a football field, you just can't go and play. You've got to open it up, turn the lights on, someone's gotta be there. It's not easy. I accept sure. that. But basketball can't go around crying and carrying on and saying we're not getting looked after. You've got to go, well, okay, where are the opportunities? Where are the growth potential? You know, again, are we dwelling on hardwood facilities or are we dwelling on the fact that there's more basketball backboards in Sydney somewhere?
0: Again, like the hidden facilities, it's kind of interesting because we did an interview with a, a past Flames player. My daughter went to the same school, high school that she did. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, they've got this fantastic basketball facility. She said, oh, yeah, they never use it. Even back when I was there as a student, which is now going back a few years, it was never used. Yeah. And it's a beautiful facility. And they just don't use it. And I'm, I, I don't know, I must be missing something.
1: Well, I've been in the basketball world for like fifteen minutes, like literally. I'm not I'm not I know nothing, right? But here's my take on that. My father or my grandfather didn't bench your father, right? So I've got no history, right? Yeah. I'm not hated, I got no hates, I got nothing. I just go like we're just simply looking at this going, it's a Rubik's Cube, how do we fix it? How do we solve it, right? I'm not here to call out any history, but basketball is very association driven and therefore it's very facility-driven, and the economic model of those associations lives in their facility. So I think there's a very limited view. It's not like the associations are driven to go out and find every single basketball court in their district. They're not motivated for that because they won't achieve financial success for the facilities they've invested in. And I understand that. That's not their job either, by the way. Sure. Their job is to run a great facility at X. That's what they do. And look at ways they can grow that and get as many people into there. So it's not broken, but what it highlights is that there's more scope for growth. So when someone says it's full, it's not actually full. There's somewhere else to play potentially. This broad sort of church we're building called Hoops Capital, which contains the kings and the flames and all the other things we want to do. Yeah, we know that there needs to be understanding those facilities and finding ways which we can use those facilities can we use them under the guise of the Kings or the Flames or can we use them for other purposes? But we shouldn't be necessarily saying there's nowhere left to play. There's always somewhere to play. you just got to go get it, that's all.
0: And you've touched on Hoops Capital, and that was one of the questions that we did <laughs> bounce back. <laughs> Woo! Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get a little bit back on track. Right, yeah. What's your vision for, for
1: Hoops Capital? Well, it was to poke Melbourne and Perth and everyone else in the eye. That was the vision. <laughs> It just happened by accident, literally. I just literally said one day on Twitter, you know, I don't know, we're welcome to the Hoops Capital. It was made up on the spot and a torrent of abuse. The people that climbed over the table on the internet said, you got the Hoops Capital, we're the Hoops Capital. Well, you know, as I said, uh, you know, Hoops Capital is a state of mind and I like where we are, so that's what we're doing. So it was just a... Turn a phrase and suddenly became something, and it just got bigger and sort of gathered some momentum of its own. And it's fun, and it's not meant to be anything other than a, you know, a bit of a sort of a shot at everyone. And, and we get it back; we get plenty back for it. It's okay, and, and I cop it because you know, I put it out there. But as it's happened, and now with the flames, it kind of gives us a chance to. Create an umbrella brand for what we're doing. I'd like to be known as Paul Smith from Hoops Capital, not Paul Smith from the Kings or Paul Smith from the Flames. I want to be able to have this thing that sort of captures all that we are. And as I said, we, you know, we're we very focused on this whole basketball thing, which is not necessarily only about the Flames and the other things we want to do in basketball and we plan to do. We see opportunities and we think we can help grow the game. Yep. It's not meant to be anything. It was just a joke. It really started as a joke. Now, as anyone who does know me, I don't take myself very seriously. And so, you know, I look, sometimes in lies truth. And I'll say this to you, that I want our players to walk tall. Yeah. You know, I look at former Kings, who Damien Keogh, Tim Morrissey, you name them. They're people of uh, character and they're people of, who are respected in this city, but they are Sydney Kings. That's why they're respected. Or they're Sydney Flames. Yeah. And my statement, we are the Hoops Capital. And I expect our players to walk tall and be proud. You play under that jersey. You play with heart. You play with commitment. We don't win all the time. We haven't had our first mini-camp with the Flames yet, but first mini-camp with the Kings is always turn up. We're not going to win every game, but if you don't turn up, you're going to hear from me, you're going to hear from the fans. That's all I expect. And that's about being proud. And so... Yeah, Hoops Capital. Yeah, we'll claim it. It's yeah. ours. We've trademarked it, by the way, so get away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're, we're, we're all on board with that one. Good. You mentioned you mentioned the whole thing about how it blew up on social media. Yeah. I wouldn't be wrong in saying you've been a bit of a lightning rod on social media. For, yeah. uh, and I'm going to go out there and say from some of the people in the peanut gallery, to be brutally honest. Yeah, that's right. Why do you think you're getting that sort of reaction? Not necessarily you, but just that sort of reaction comes back. 10% of what I do is meant to be disruptive, meant to be a bit, you know, I'm not copping
1: that. I don't know. Look, I, look, I think part of it is that basketball does suffer from a little bit of irrelevance cool. uh, at times in the media. So if we relied solely on column centimetres or airtime or whatever it may be here and there, it would be pretty difficult for us to get our message across. The reality of sports today, in, it is very social media-driven and look, you, we are swimming in a swamp. Sure. So anyone that jumps into social media and thinks that they're going to get out of there looking pristine is dreaming. That's not going to happen. So yeah, there's the peanut gallery. But reality is there's equally a significant number of people that are meaningful and have some uh, gravitas to them. And they do engage and they are they are better informed by what we do. And yeah, I stick my head in the fire occasionally and I I trip over a few times on it. I'm getting better at it, but... You know, I'm, I'm still, I will still do that. Equally, I think it's an opportunity for for us in an unfiltered way to defend or declare our position on certain issues and stand by those. We used to have this guy. What was his name? Andrew Bogut. That's right. He, you heard of him? Yeah, yeah tall, seven changed. foot. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's him. Yeah. That's him. He came to us with a reputation for he was out there. I'm not about filtering. I, I've said to I said to every player, you are your own voice. You may okay. say what you wish. It's your views. They're not my views. If you get yourself in hot water, you get yourself out of hot water. Now, we require a bit of common sense. I apply the same rules to me and I apply the same rules to all our staff. Anyway, you are entitled to have your views. If we keep the windows and the doors open and allow things to flow through, occasionally there will be a misstep. But because there's so much air flowing through, it doesn't clutter up the room too much. We all move on. And i back down on a few things and apologise and said, I was out of order and I'm not ashamed of that. Uh, because that's what adults do. I, I made a mistake, and I try not to make the same mistakes again, but you know, I think social media is ideal for a sport like basketball in this country, and it's proven to be that. in The NBA, as an example, I, I can't speak for the WNBA, but I can speak with some alacrity about the NBA. It was a pioneer in allowing its players to speak. Mm. Those players have created a social platform that is very, very powerful for that sport. Other sports in the United States try to muzzle the players and it didn't yeah. work you can't let it go let them run and you know at the end of the day you know i'd rather have the opportunity to shout from the rooftops in our own way and be able to control our message to an extent as well and cop it back and
0: we see what other people do it's a very open and very vibrant environment it is i mean we've noticed that since we started putting these podcasts out a lot of teams have jumped on with doing podcasts which mm-hmm. is a great thing it's getting the, the basketball mm-hmm. message out mm-hmm. what other ways do you see us getting the message out
1: you know, and I'm not here to advise any other club what to do. We're still working we're still working ourselves out how we do it. But I think we've got to understand who our audiences are. Mm. You can split those up so many different ways. We can't solve all of them. So, how do we message into the p- appropriate areas? And I think that corporates remain an important part of what we do because I think we've got a very now with the Kings and Flames co-joined as we are. We have a very, very unique position in basketball in Australia, being the only NBL team and WNBL team functioning as a unit like this. We are moving into times where social responsibility is going to be paramount for brands and gender balance is going to be fundamental to that. And also we need to ensure that corporates are aware that the Flames particularly are part of this rising tide of women's basketball that's going to be punctuated in 2022. And frankly, that's where the money is. It's where we can find support and the more we can cluster corporates around us in various ways and service their needs, then we're going to be in a stronger position to build a stable business. We can't have 75,000 people in our building. Sure. You know, We've got to focus on saying, well, how do we build a member base? How do we build a ticket sale base? So the next sort of layer to what we do is focusing on ensuring satisfaction for our rusted-on fans so they don't leave us unless they die. But if they do, they die, they should leave in their will to their next next of kin that they get the tickets every year after that and keep paying for it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> benevolence is beautiful. Yeah. And then, then you move on to but you know those members that go, oh, I'm in or out of where am I, what, are, what am I doing? We've got to focus on that. We need that consistent, reliable heartbeat of people that come through and watch. What we need to do is give them an experience and give them a belief they can go to and tell to of their friends that they should come along as well. How we project this bigger story to the fan, to the casual fan or the non-fan, if you wish, how do we introduce people to the game? That closes the loop with the associations. We can't get those people in our building, but if they can see some heroes, yep. they'll go to play basketball, and then that feeds the associations. That's the virtuous loop we've got to create. The Sydney Kings and the Sydney Flames are not basketball in South Wales. We're not a basketball association in Sydney. Our job is to provide that tip of the tree people want to strive to. If we become a club that people want to play at, Young women in this city go, I want to be a Sydney Flame because of many reasons. I get better. I can see a pathway in education at Sydney University. We can bring all those themes together. Then young women, girls will begin the journey from seven or eight years old to say, I want to be a Flame. I've got to be a Flame. That's what I want to be. I want to one day play for that team. We do that and the beneficiaries of that process is the associations and the beneficiary is the game. And that's our job. And we commit to do that, and we'll do our very, very best, and, we, and we'll and we do what we can to support the associations to come along with us on that ride.
0: So my wife and I got involved with going to the Kings from when they first went to the Entertainment right. Centre. The one thing that the Entertainment Centre had is the before and after game outside of the stadium. I used to take business associates. We had four seats, and we would take them to the game, and what we'd do is we'd go grab a bite to eat before the game, watch the game, grab a drink or a coffee after the game while the car park emptied out. Mm. To me, that was the one advantage the Entertainment Centre had over Kudos. Mm. But I, I agree, I think Kudos is a much more spectacular arena to watch. you finished with that memory lane journey? Or you, yeah, yeah, i to finished with memory that memory lane journey. My question is, there's a lot of fans out there from yeah. back in those days yeah who I think want to re engage, and I, mean, I know a few they yeah. want to re engage, but they kind of go, Oh, I've got to go to Homebush. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, what do we do before? What do we do after?
1: You know, so for the record, this is not a question that was queued up. So no, no, I, no, here we it. go. Here we go. First and foremost, despite many things, I don't do miracles, so okay. I can't snap my fingers and put the building back in the city. Okay, no, it doesn't work. Absolutely. Like that. So it ain't gonna happen. All right, so let's get used to that. You're right. A lot of people were introduced to the game of basketball who probably didn't play, but it's remained loyal and supportive because they used to go to Kings games. Yeah, and thank God for that because there's still a halo effect despite years or how many years it is since that building ever existed. <laughs> the, there's still people like oh, yeah, I was at the entertainment center yesterday. I saw I like it literally like they still believe it's there. It's yeah. the most mystical place in that regard. I've never. I've, it's unbelievable. It's a three-sided arena. It had a castle at one end. It it was, but it was the it was the entertainment center, and we knew no better. Okay, we knew no better. All right, so sure. let's accept that. If you'd have asked me six months ago if I could have any wish in the world, what it'd be, I'd have said I will have a, oh, a arena downtown. Thank you, that'll do me. Yeah. The world today, as we've talked about, is different. True. I said something on Twitter the other day, which probably was I just dropped it in there just for fun. But I said someone in the Wollongong was saying, "Do we get? Are we going to put a bus on from Wollongong to the Kings games?" And I said, "No. Including your ticket for the Sydney Kings is transport." Anywhere you know, in around the, in the region to come into the games, it's including your ticket. It'd be the case for the Flames when we play at Kudos Bank Arena. It's the best basketball arena, and it's the safest basketball arena in, in Australia. What do people want going forward? They're going to be conscious of safety. They're going to be conscious of hygiene. They're going to be conscious of spacing. Yep. Okay. If we had a downtown arena, parking would be near limited or impossible. So they'd be on public transport. Not a great option at the moment. So yeah. people want to drive. What's Homebush got? How many million car parks do you want? Like there's parking everywhere. If you're coming into the city, you're going through narrow streets when you used to go to the entertainment centre. You you know, I don't get it. People drove in, went to pre-dinner drinks, went to dinner, then they went to the game, then went to post-dinner drinks, and they drove home when the car park was empty. How did you manage that? But anyway, that's okay. But but the point is that if if you're in the city, you had to walk through narrow areas to get to the arena. People want to spread out. I couldn't think of a better place to have an arena like that today. It is the most ideally located arena, space, egress, Movement, parking, fresh air, whatever it may be. Perfect. It's not the geographic centre of Sydney. It's as it was described to me once by someone involved in Western Sydney, it said Homebush is the it's the western edge of the east of the city. Imagine that concept. Okay, so what's coming out there? There's Sydney Metro. It's going to get easier. Now, I live at Camperdown. Now, there's the tunnel at Haberfield. I leave my place in Camperdown. I can be in the building in about 11 minutes from Camperdown on a busy day because of the tunnel. Transport's improving. The state government's doing an amazing job in that regard. There are so many things pointing our way, but people who say, oh, it's over there, we can't solve that. They will never join. They'll never come because it's just too far for them. And I accept that. I'm sorry for that, but We've got to focus on the people that are motivated or want to come and can come. Yep. We can't give everything to everyone, but what we can do is to say to those people, you can watch it on TV, you can buy a jersey, you can be a member, don't come to games. You can engage with us, but you don't have to come to games. You can say, yeah, the Flames are good, Kings are good, we like them. And we're seeing this at the moment, with all this sort of stuff about the Opera House logo and everything like that, it highlights that people
0: actually care. Yeah, it it really did. i got to admit, I... I was a bit shocked to hear that, hey, it's going to go. But also, it's a pretty crazy number to be asking for. And it's, you know, I suppose it's just, it's the trigger to to change things up for for the Kings.
1: It's a complex issue and I'm not here to comment on it and it was not part of our wheelhouse to be dealing with it, but the only comfort I take from it is that it just highlights that people in politics, in the community, in the media, do care about basketball, Kings and the Flames in that respect. Mm -hmm. And... So that's a that's a great outcome for us, and we take comfort from that, and we go forward, and whatever form that takes, that'll be resolved by the NBL and the Opera House Trust, and so be it. Now, again, as I said, it just we just want people to care about what we're doing and to believe that we're doing good. You don't have to come to games, you don't have to be a card carrying member of the Flames to believe that. At the Flames, we've got an enormous job to do to engage with the population of Sydney University student base community around that area that talk about fans and bases and where do we focus, etc etc There's it's where do we start. Um, it's not where we finish. You know, we've got to sort of move the big rocks and as we move forward we'll get better and more targeted at what we're doing. And you know, we're excited by it, challenged by it, but The the one thing that I know, and I've said this repeatedly about the Kings, and I I believe it to be incredibly true about the Flames, there's so much goodwill in the market for the teams. It's not like they've burnt their bridges and destroyed things and they've all had patchy backgrounds and the history of the clubs. They've all had wobbles and all that sort of thing. That's just basketball. Yeah. The remaining goodwill and the opportunity that we can build upon that is the thing that most makes me excited about where we're at. You know, the good news is we can just go for it. Get great people around us and and help them get better and got to be better at telling our story. Be yeah, at telling our story. That's
0: that's the big thing I think. From my point of view, I think the first thing is that just the awareness of the team is a really key thing. I think if there, there's a position where people know that the Flames exist, mm-hmm. that's such a huge step, particularly in a city mm-hmm. the size of Sydney. Because then, even if you get like the smallest percentage mm-hmm. supporting the team, not necessarily mm-hmm. coming to the team, just engaging yeah. with the team. It's a huge step up. The other things I'll say, I'm going
1: to mangle it, but they say that two draft horses pulling together can pull the power of four draft horses. The Kings and the Flames have not been together. So we haven't coupled up the power of two professional basketball franchises side by side, interwoven, interlocked, and inseparable. So that our expectation around corporate elements is that there'll be Kings and Flames play. As much as ever, we want to involve both in in these scenarios where they're interacting. And, you know, community involvement, the team at the Flames have done an incredible job to create some incredibly important social responsibility programs that are now, we've received some very excellent funding from government, from the federal government to undertake. And they're really meaningful, important things. And that's going to have a presence of both men and women in that, from the representation of players and former players' perspective, will be represented in that equation. These are the small steps we're taking that weren't possible before we rejoined together. Yeah. We're not going to solve it today. We'll take this year as a work in progress, There's some lessons to be learned. You know, we'll we'll break a few eggs as we're trying to make the omelettes, but we're going to get there. And I do believe that the the power of doing it together is going to be much more potent than simply trying to be – in effect, we were probably competing. Kings and Flames, although we've never sort of described it that way, we're out there trying to pitch into the same place. Well, we're not doing that now. You know, we're picking our fights and we're going we're to do the things that make the most difference. And, again, going back to where we started on the understanding our, where we're going to focus our messaging now, who we're going to reach out to, you know, we're going to do a joint messaging into both all those markets and it's going to be something that's going to bear fruit for us and, you know, we, we, we're confident about it. And I think that we will move along those measures so that there is an awareness of, of both the teams. I want to ensure that there's a strong awareness that the Kings and the Flames are part of this whole well, let's call it huge Capital today, whatever
0: it is. Yeah. yeah. I think we've covered off everything. Everything, okay. Well, Good. no, not everything. There's lots more that we can yeah. cover. Yeah, we, we,
1: We're got to save bit for later. Yeah. Another day. <laughs> we can
0: always do it another day.
1: I'm yeah, not leaving well, town. I, I think there's a couple of points that. I think, look, I know a lot of, lot of members and fans would like to know with certainty where we are with our season, and we don't know that. Yeah. As I said, a lot of really, really talented people working really, really hard to make that happen, and I believe it will. In what form, we don't know, so we'll come to that. I'm always open to be uh, for a review. So, you know, I sort of stepped off the pier a bit today with a few statements. We can always sense check all those in a few months and see if they still make sense. Yep. I'm um, happy to be challenged about my views and I said we do this, you know, we said we do that. And I often, I've said it previously to our communications with the King's members is don't judge me on what I say, judge me on what I do. It's a bit like my social media stuff. I say a lot of <laughs> stuff and like that's what I do. But uh, we're very selective in what we claim to be addressing because we can't do everything and i intentionally said it i I can't satisfy everyone we can't there'll all be someone say i never i I never saw them this year or something happened we can't be everywhere you know we've got to bring a realistic view um we've got to try to do things efficiently we need to charge a fair price for our product Mm -hmm. our fans and our sponsors need to understand that you know, we want to build a healthy balance sheet because a healthy balance sheet creates a sustainable business that we can reinvest more money into what we're planning. Yeah. You know, I think the fundamental of this also is that we're not here to solve all the problems. What we want to be is part of a solution that involves various stakeholders in basketball in Sydney and New South Wales. As the only female professional team in New South Wales, the Flames have got a broader responsibility in that respect. And so how we deal with that and how we tackle that will be something we'll come to. Once we navigate this current headwinds season yeah. itself.
0: Okay, Paul Smith, thanks very much for joining us on the show. It's a pleasure. Look forward to speaking to you again. Go Flames.